Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Greetings and welcome into Sports Talk on a Thursday. Getting ready for a very significant weekend of Illini Athletics. I am Scott Beatty. I'm coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. Sorry. And Lauren Tate is in studio in Champaign. This is News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM. We go till 6 o'clock. Evan Kahn is with me in the next hour. As always, it's our Coach Q&A segment on a Thursday Nick Quartaro will be along in just a little bit to look at some of these upcoming games this weekend in the Big Ten especially. And Illinois basketball tomorrow night will be here in Vegas for a matchup with UCLA and then on Sunday against either Baylor or Virginia. Good afternoon to you, Mr. Tate. Say, how much money have you won so far? Zero dollars and zero cents. But it's the same amount of money I've lost, okay. except when I went to breakfast. <laughs> it's a little more a expensive, of, huh? Yeah, a cup of coffee was $4. A yogurt parfait was 10 <laughs> So I don't know. Maybe I should just put it in the slot machine instead <laughs> Well, not that, eat. That, well, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, food is awful expensive these days. I'm thinking about giving it up. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people around here trying to give up other habits, but that's not one of them. I can tell you. Well, this tell place me, strikes. Yeah, tell, everybody's place, everybody's talking about it. So I'll ask you: Do you think that um, Bielmo will go to the game Saturday? I have no idea. I, I really don't. And it is a, it is sad. You, it may, you probably heard it if you haven't uh, in our in our newscast. You just heard that Brett Bielma's mother Marilyn passed away. What I gather is uh, it was fairly unexpected. Uh-huh. Don't know that for sure, uh, but he, you know it was an abrupt um, cancellation of his regular Thursday media availability, and it's kind of been radio silence since then. Understandably so. And I, I don't know. I was reminded of Bruce Weber losing his mother in the mm-hmm. Big Ten tournament in 2005, and he coached through that, but it was very mm-hmm. tough yeah. uh, for him. And Yeah, and Ed, really, Bond, Ed Bond tells me she was there the day before in Chicago. Oh, oh, in the in 05, you're saying? Yeah, that's what yeah. Ed said. I didn't remember that, but evidently he, she attended the game the day before. Yeah. And and everybody reacts differently and mourns differently and has a different timeline of it. It's obviously a huge game for Illinois, but some things are more important in life. And I certainly wouldn't fault the man if he said, I'm I'm not going to be there this weekend. And I wouldn't fault him if he said, I'm going to get through it and, yeah. and be there. Um, everybody just has a different way of uh, approaching it. And he missed a game last year with uh, the COVID situation and george mcdonald filled in that was the iowa game yeah george and, he, he george made the 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 head coaching calls and the two coordinators made their calls offensively and defensively so that's the way that worked out i assume that, that george would do it again if 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 the head coach doesn't make it i would think that's right i think he's listed as the next in in command and what do you think uh, a team misses the most in a moment if a head coach is not there. Well, 
I I think you know the the overall direction of the team. Uh, I think that he is he is a motivator, and I think they have a lot of faith in all of, all of his decisions. I, I you know I think that he's a guy who just as I see it has done everything right for for two years since he's been here, and I think that that he's uh, earned a lot of uh, support and and faith in him in that time. So I don't see where it's any benefit for him not to be there. I think I think Illinois would. Definitely be a, a better off if he's if he's able to coach. But sometimes when you're placed back to the wall like that and and all, it all seems lost, and then you know who knows what craziness happened. Uh, yesterday uh, we talked about some of the big upsets in in Illinois history, and I can remember in particular the 1956 win by uh, Illinois over number one Michigan State. Illinois was one and three coming into that game, and they didn't win a game in the last four games after that. They won that game against the number one team in the nation on the, the, the great runs by Abe Woodson. So, you know, you just never know uh, what might develop in, in, a, in a situation where all their – I don't think the team is doing this, but the, the media up there is just – all they're talking about is Ohio State. Yes, and, and that's where, the, you know, it, it, it can't help but seep a little bit into the locker room uh, they just have to. Those players are having to fight more to just stay on on focus against Michigan, against Illinois. So in that sense, it has the hallmarks of a so-called trap game. Mm-hmm. But it, it has all the hallmarks, except that they got so much many better players. It's pretty hard to understand how Illinois could pull this off, and we don't even know if Chase Brown's going to play at this point. Well, you can also argue the first 10 games that Michigan's played have been trap games mm-hmm. because it's all about beating Ohio State and going to the college football playoff, and they can hardly afford a loss. The only way they get in the college football playoff is probably, and with a one loss is if they lose to Ohio State, they very well would, if Illinois would beat them, they would be out of the college football playoff, I would think. Oh, yeah. If Illinois beat them, they would be out, but... Uh... I think I, I think they would be out, but there's so many other games to be played, TCU and and the SEC games, and who knows how those are going to turn out. And I could see where Michigan could lose the Ohio State game in a close game, or Ohio State could lose in a close game, and both of them still get in the playoff. It's possible. Exactly. I, I think they have actually, in that sense, maybe more at stake against Illinois. Mm-hmm. Because if they lose to Ohio State, the the committee may still look favorably upon them, depending on uh, how some other things shake out. I mean, their best course, of course, is just to win them all. But uh, they do look the part of a top-five team in the nation, that's for sure. And their, their defense is stout. Their offensive rushing attack is incredible, and they, they have enough to do there in the passing game. Uh, special teams is strong. And if Chase Brown is not available for Illinois, it just has that just tips the scales even more in favor, seemingly, to, uh, towards Michigan. But a couple of weeks ago, Michigan State came into Memorial Stadium down significant number of starters and demoralized from what had happened at Michigan and all that, and then they just kind of shoved Illinois around the field for a good part of the game and won. So it's college football. Stranger things can happen. You mentioned it. You know that you know Illinois pulling off. That upset so many years ago. That's why the the game against Northwestern for Illinois is not a given, well, no matter what the stakes are going into that. You know that in, in 2007, when Illinois beat Ohio State 
when Ohio State was number one, Illinois was unranked. I mean, there were people that thought, well, Illinois had a pretty good football team. They did, they wound up in the Rose Bowl, but they had lost to they they uh, they lost to Iowa and Michigan, and they beat Penn State and, and Wisconsin that year. But uh, they were unranked when they played Ohio State late in the season and uh, pulled off that 28-21 win. So, I mean, Illinois has pulled some upsets over the over the years, and but you know, where, where does this? How does this stack up with the, with the win over Wisconsin three years ago? Well, again, I I I, I would submit to you that the win over Wisconsin was more surprising, mm-hmm. but a win here for Illinois would be bigger. I agree. I agree. Wisconsin was number six at the time, and Illinois, of course, unranked. But Illinois won that game with a field goal at the end, 24-23. There, there have been a lot of games like that where you look back and, and say, well, really, if you analyze it, Illinois had no business winning. I, I brought up one yesterday in 1942. Minnesota was coming off consecutive 8-0 seasons, and Ray Elliott was coaching his first games for the University of Illinois, and Illinois beat Minnesota to start that season. So, and Minnesota came in with a 16-game winning streak. <laughs> so things happen. You would know this. I was looking at the Michigan game notes. Bump Elliott, he mm-hmm. was once a head coach in Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. What was his relation, if any? You mean with Pete? Yeah. Pete and Bump were brothers from okay. Bloomington. They both, they're from Bloomington, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And then Ray Elliott, and both of them similar name. Similar Ray, name Elliott, but, Ray Elliott, his name was Nusspickle. He changed his yeah. name. Why would you change when you had a nice name like Nusspickle? Why would you change it to Elliot? <laughs> <laughs> Elliot's the name of my son, so okay, well, I think it's a great. I'm great glad name it's not Nusspickle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he came to me the other day and said, "Dad, can I change my name to Nusspickle?" But so let's let's when you get 18, you can be what. But Ray Elliot's one L and one T, and Pete Elliot's two L's and yes. two T's. Yeah, I knew they were not related, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, j- similar names. Texture says on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357, in order to be in the college football playoff, you must be a conference champion. No, not yet. No, that's not true. And that is, there is precedence for that. I, I think it happened a few years ago. Where I, there where could I, be two teams in the SEC. There could be two teams yep. in the Big Ten. It depends on what, I mean, again, it depends on whether TCU gets beat. It depends on what happens in these other games. In all likelihood, the Big Ten Conference champion will be in the playoff. But I was reading an article today where if if a Big Ten West team like Illinois or Purdue or, in, or uh, Minnesota, if they win the championship and get to Indy and somehow pull off a miracle upset, it's quite likely they would not. I mean, they're all three lost teams at least. They would not be in the in the college football playoff. That and is correct. Iowa, I think, I, yeah, probably not either. Um, but it, just to the texture's point. They've all I, lost I too many games. Yeah. I think you can be a Big Ten champion not named uh, Michigan or Ohio State this year and not be in the college football playoff. I in the future, the proposal is in the future that the top five conference winners will automatically have a berth in the college football playoff plus other at-large bids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now, uh, you don't have to be a conference champ, and lots of conference champions don't get in. As we see in the Pac-12, they've been unlucky for several years. 
Coach Q&A coming up. Nick Hortaro will help us break down what's at stake this weekend. There's a lot at stake. Illinois must win. Almost is, uh, I think, maybe mathematically doesn't have to, but certainly must if they want their own destiny in their hands. They have to win their last two and get a loss from Purdue to make it to Indianapolis. So a lot of games to look at. We'll do Coach Q&A when we return off and running on Sports Talk here on DWS. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Illini family, it's Brett Bielma. Illinois football plays right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Sports Talk brought to you in part by ABC Heating and Air. In the middle of the day or night, it's as easy as ABC to always be comfortable. Call them at 217-352-5400. I'm Scott Patey and Lauren Tate is well here for the first hour. Evan Kahn's in next hour and next hour we'll also visit with Tyler Underwood. Now the Director of Recruiting and Scouting for Illinois Men's Basketball here on the trip to Las Vegas. He will stop by and uh, we'll chat up a little bit about his role and his transition from being a player to uh, doing what he does now to help Illinois men's basketball. Nick Quartaro, former Big Ten coach, uh, among other places that he has been in a healthy career, Iowa alum, and he joins us for our Q&A segment. It's Coach Q, Nick Quartaro. Nick, happy Thursday to you. I'll try it one more time. Is hey, we got Lauren in Champaign, me in Vegas, and Nick in upstate New York. So, Nick, a good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Are we there? Are we on? Mm-hmm. Where I think I think Ready so. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> uh, great to hear from uh, you, sir. And um, is there's no one way that a person responds to um, to the loss of of a loved one, but uh, certainly it can impact. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's there when when Illinois goes into their game against Michigan. I mean, it's there one way or another, and I think the players would feel it too. Maybe they even knew uh, Brett's mother. Yeah, I, I would think it'll have uh, an effect. Certainly, you know, a kind of a, a sad cloud, you know, hanging around the team, and really, it'll come, especially if uh, if Brett doesn't make the trip and uh, is not able to coach the game or chooses not to coach the game out of respect for his mom and his family. Um, but uh, if he is there, I think the kids will, you know, really rally behind him. If he's not there, I think they'll dedicate the game, as will the staff, uh, to his family. And, you know, in a sad way, it can provide a bit of motivation. But I was listening uh, off air when, when you guys were chatting a little bit earlier and you know if he's if Brett's not there, what kind of effect does that have? And really, you know, Brett's a good-sized guy. So when I say this, I'm not being funny. But literally, his presence is important. He's the guy that's in the front of the meeting room every day, addressing the team before meetings and practices. He's the one that sets the tempo in the locker room, pregame speech, etc., and just getting around, making that personal connection with players, especially on the road because you take less players, and when you're holed up in the uh, hotel the night before and the morning of the game, 
the head coach is just front and center. So I know from, you know, again, I'm dating myself, having coached over 400 games, when a head coach is not there, it does leave quite a hole. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's a it's a tough moment for certainly for the Bielma family, and our condolences to Brett and his extended family. Well, as for this game, I mean, again, that's sort of a I don't mean to make it a cold analytical thing, but it it does impact the game, and it can sometimes, as you say, motivate or or provide something that's not there. But that withstanding. Uh, Lauren and I were just discussing in the first segment that upsets do happen, and I I think this you know Illinois is behind Michigan for sure, but I don't think they're um, you know so far behind that they can't pull this off. Of course, Chase Brown's a big question mark. So how do you size it up? Yeah, I, I agree with you guys in that uh, upsets happen every week, and certainly the potential is there. And I also heard your conversation, you know, about uh, both Ohio State and Michigan looking forward to their matchup next week. But I really believe, and I just, I've I've really followed uh, everyone closely this year, but especially Michigan, knowing that they're on the Illinois schedule, and of course they're in the top four in the country and all that stuff. And I really think uh, Michigan's on a mission. I just think this is next game up. And they'll deal with Ohio State, you know, when that time comes. But I really believe they see us as just another step along the way. And I was really pleased to read uh, Coach Bielema's comments about this game as well. In other words, look, yes, they're a great team. We're going to the big house, all that stuff. But it's just the next step along the way. And for Illinois to have a chance to kind of redeem themselves after the last two weeks of disappointment, Nothing would be better than to get out of the gates in a strong fashion and uh, make sure Michigan knows that they've come to play and they're there for serious business and and make a good run at it. But um, if they don't have Chase Brown, uh, that's a big deal because he's so, so important to uh, first down calls on offense, using him as a decoy on play action and bootlegs and so forth. And, you know, with uh, McCray, who knows if he's uh, playing or not. But bottom line is, if those two guys are out, and with all due respect to the other kids, you're really playing with your third and fourth running back. So as important as the running game is to the Illini, uh, Chase Brown's extremely important. And then you look at the DBs. I know they're thinned out at cornerback. Uh, Aaron Henry, with whom I coached uh, several years ago, is excellent corners coach. But you don't want to have to be playing young kids there uh, in a pressure game like this if you don't have to. Well, Coach, I'll, I'll ask you, what, what would have to happen in your view for Illinois to pull this off? What, what do they need to, to, uh, to bring about? Uh, could, they, could, could the defense uh, return to the, the form that we saw before the last two games? Yeah, real good question, Lauren. In a general sense, Illinois has to play the best game they've played all year, and they have to play a clean game, meaning limit those darn penalties, absolutely limit, minimize, or not have any turnovers, and be really, really sound mentally. So that's the coach and me speaking. But now you go out on the field and play, the Illinois defense has to be able to tackle and get a lot of people to the ball. 
the uh, Michigan backs in particular, uh, Blake uh, Corum, are, you know, they're outstanding. He's a tremendous talent, um, certainly in the same realm as, you know, Chase Brown, Moe Ibrahim, guys like this. The Big Ten's got several of them. Ohio State's got a stable full. The bottom line is in cold weather, November games, and with an offensive line and tight ends that can block, such as Michigan, They'll put big bodies in there more so than other teams. They're not going to spread it out, so they're going to try and slam it at you. Illinois really has to be gap sound. They have to tackle extremely well and try and limit big plays in the run game. I don't think Michigan, unless they want to try and somehow polish up a downfield pass game for next week, I don't see Michigan you know, heaving the ball downfield, maybe take a shot on a second and two or something like that. But uh, Harbaugh, for a guy who played quarterback, he really seems like an old line coach. He loves to get big bodies in the game and just smash people. They had over 400 yards rushing against Penn State as well, remember, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So it's really going to be incumbent upon the Illini defense to, as I say, by gap sound, I mean make sure you maintain your gap responsibility with the D-line and linebackers and make sure the safeties in particular – uh, they use the term fit on defense, that they fit in the other gaps that are left over from the guys in the front. When you do that, you can keep a guy like Corm somewhat in check, you know, making him earn it with three, four, five-yard gains as opposed to busting out of there for those uh, home run shots. You know, I thought that the, that they gave the, some of that up, in uh, particularly in the Purdue game, with all the passes. They went with three-man rush some. And I, in the Michigan State game, they got caught in blitzes several times. It looked like to me, in both those games, they were more mentally geared to passing because they knew that, for instance, uh, Purdue wasn't going to run that much. This will be a different – I mean, I just see this as different. And I, I think that the gap sound uh, thing, I think that they, I think they will be much more gap sound in this game than they were in the last two. Well, I know they, uh, you know, Ryan and the rest of the gang on defense there, they know they have to be because, uh, and, and it's not because it's Illinois, but Michigan can make you look silly if you are not totally sound defensively. So, uh, like I said, uh, the Illini have to play their best game of the year in all respects, offense, defense, kicking, and then get some help from Michigan. You know, knock a ball loose early in the game. Get a turnover in the kicking game where you can flip the field and gain big yardage on a turnover. Maybe they muff a punt or shake one loose on a kickoff. You know, all these plays, all these plays have a potential for something good to happen, and I think that's the way that the Illini have to go in. You know, throw caution to the wind, uh, play your tails off, and let's just see where the chips lie at the end of the game. And hey, Nick, have, uh, as you look back, or does any game jump out at you as the biggest upset that you can remember that you were involved in? Yes, uh, I didn't have to think. Uh, it was uh, I was at Iowa State University with Dan McCarney, and we were in the process of getting uh, the Cyclones turned around. Uh, Iowa State had lost to rival Iowa. Uh, it was uh, toward the end of the Hayden Fry run. But anyway, uh, Iowa had beaten the Cyclones 15 games in a row. And I remember Dan McCartney standing up in front of our team and passionately telling them, rivalry? Where's the rivalry? One in 15 years. You know, and he's really just letting them know it's not a rivalry just because you're playing your in-state opponent. 
it's a going back and forth type of thing that makes it a rivalry. Anyway, we went into Iowa City, Kinnick Stadium, 28 and a half point underdogs. <laughs> we blocked a, yeah, we blocked a punt on Iowa's first possession, scoop and score, um, offense, uh, scored on the next possession. Long story short, we, uh, overcame, uh, that 28 and a half point supposed, uh, favorite by Iowa and won the game handily in Iowa City against the ranked Hawkeye team. So that comes to mind for me, Lauren. Talking with Nick Quartaro here on Sports Talk. Well, Illinois, if they're going to win the division, needs to do their part, but they need a loss now from Purdue. Purdue will play at Northwestern. Know that they are favored, uh, but you know, kind of similar vein. Is there any anything here in the in the ingredients for an upset? I don't think so. I really don't. Um, I, I feel bad in saying that because, uh, as you guys know, way, 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 way back, I coached uh, the Wildcats for five years under Dennis Green, and I still have a special place in my heart for them. But they're they're just struggling so badly this year. And uh, Purdue has all the motivation in the world. Uh, I believe the game is at ross Aid Stadium, and then they go over to Bloomington next week. So I, I was listening to Coach Brom uh, during his press conference, and like most guys, you know, it's just next opportunity. It's a meaningful game. You know, we have to do our part as Boilermakers to keep ourselves in a position to hopefully have a chance to go to Indianapolis. So all those elements are there. And then you look at, uh, of course, their most recent performance, and that's got to give you a shot of confidence. And what uh, Aiden O'Connell did, uh, we know he can throw the ball, but he only threw one interception, which is good for him when you throw it 40 sometimes. But the fact that they turned him loose and broke out what we call speed option, the most basic option in the world where he went down the line, uh, the defense runs to the running back or pitch man, and of all people, O'Connell's rumbling down the field on an option play. Mm-hmm. So remember how we talked a week ago? We said Brom will pull out some things. He's an excellent play caller. He'll try and keep you honest with trick plays. In effect, that <laughs> O'Connell running the option was like a trick play. Yeah. Also, it helped him uh, to, to run a hard-to-bring-down uh, tight end, or I should say use a hard-to-bring-down tight end in the passing game, who found himself open a number of times as well. Absolutely. I Again, I... You know, I do the. Oh, is Coach there? Sounds like we might have lost Nick uh, briefly there. I, you know, this all this talk about rivalries, and uh, at one time, and, and and I grew up on this. Illinois Michigan was the biggest rivalry. I mean, it was tremendous in the yeah. ni- in the nineteen fifties. Illinois won seven out of, and lost three in that rivalry. And then Schimbeckler came along later, and after the 19, and from 1959 on, Michigan won 22 of the next 23, and Illinois won in 1983, 16 to six, on the, when they beat every team in the Big Ten, but they only won one of the next 13. And during that, during this period of time, with that 22 and one stretch and that 13 and one stretch, it ceased to be a rivalry. When I arrived on campus as a freshman in the late 90s, everyone said Michigan is our chief rival, but Michigan didn't reciprocate that. I don't know if you can have a uh, chief rival if you're 
suppose a chief rival doesn't agree. <laughs> well, that's right. And, and it, it was at one time, and it just it faded away. Yep. Because you've got to be competitive, as just as uh, McCarney said to his team, uh, you know, when when uh, when they were had lost 15 straight to Iowa. It's, the Iowa State-Iowa thing is not a rivalry if, if one team wins every game. All right, I think we have Coach back. And uh, speaking of yep, rivalries, right. the other, yeah, the other, the other big one. There's four teams that are right now tied record-wise, four and three, in the the race for the Big Ten. One of them will break that tie between Iowa and Minnesota. Floyd of Rosedale, sir, what do you say? Yeah, that's a classic game. You know, the first thing I, I looked at when I was beginning to research things this week was the weather report for the Twin Cities. It's going to be a a very crisp, uh, probably low teens at game time or certainly by the end of the game. And uh, that's going to play right into what those guys do. Neither one truly relies on passing the ball. Um, the thing that amazes me is that Minnesota has an interesting stat that proves out why they are who they are and do things very well. Offensively, Lead the Big Ten in converting third down guys at 55%. Ugh. 55% wow. of third downs they convert. And yet, on the other side, Joe Rossi's defense, third down, the Gophers hold opponents to 25% on third down, which is incredible. That's one of the top ones in the country. So, you know, I'm looking at that, and how does that apply to Iowa? We all know that they've won games in atypical fashion. They win on defense, field position, and kicking game with little, little to no help by the offense. And so there's going to have to do that same thing again. And I guess the thing for me when I try to analyze this, who's playing quarterback for Minnesota? Is Tanner Morgan, the sixth-year senior, is he going to be available at senior day, last home game for uh, Tanner and his class, all those great players that have had success there? Or will it be the young kid who we saw, you know, the second half in Champaign, Ethan Kelly of Manis? Um, I don't think Kelly Manis is ready to see the things Norm Parker, excuse me, not Norm, but Phil Parker's defense will give him. Because Minnesota offensively runs what we call RPOs, run pass options. The quarterback actually reads a linebacker or safety, whether to hand the ball to Mo Ibrahim or throw a slant or a quick pass outside based on the read that he sees behind that. Well, Parker's been around enough to know that if he's got a rookie taking the snap, he has the ability to move people around, show them one look, try and decoy him into a bad throw or decision whereas Tanner Morgan probably can figure things out a little bit better. I think that's a big deal. I also think Iowa's defense will take more chances against Minnesota. They know they got the same thing like uh, Corum from Michigan. They got to slow Ibrahim down. You're not going to stop them, and with Minnesota's O-line, you're just going to hopefully make them have to pump the ball a few times and get them into third and long and not into that third and short where they're converting at such a high percentage. So it's going to be a, a you know knockdown, drag out, in the trenches battle, in cold temperatures. And uh, I know for a fact, I, I say I know, I would bet because of the weather factor, turnovers will play into this. And whoever mm-hmm. can uh, hang on to, yeah, whoever can hang on to the ball better and play that field position game. And if it's, 
you know, uh, six to three or ten to seven or whatever it might be. It won't surprise me. But uh, both teams are, are are playing for still Big Ten West uh, opportunities for a title game. Well, Nick, I'll, I'll leave you with just one uh, thought. In basketball last year, Nebraska beat Wisconsin the final game for Illinois to get a share of the Big Ten championship, and nobody thought Nebraska would win. But they closed fa- they closed fast for and and, and helped Illinois get to that uh, championship that, that that they wanted so badly. No, you can see it uh, every season, every sport, and yep. you know not to be, not to be cliche, but you know that's why we play the games, right? I mean, yep. if everything was so predictable, uh, it wouldn't be any fun at all. But I just yep. hope, uh, you know, the, I hope the Illini get on that plane and uh, have a good frame of mind. They're rested, and uh, I hope they have their best players available. And if not, the other guys have to step up. But I really believe if they have their best players available, play a clean game, tackle on defense, and limit big plays, I think they can make it a four-quarter game and have a chance at the end. You never know. Colorado did it with Cordell Stewart. Illinois did it with Rocky Harvey. Teams have won there before, and we will we will see. But you're right, too. Michigan is very good this year. Coach Nick Quartaro, Quartaro with us on the uh, Q&A segment that we do here on most every Thursday with Coach. Enjoy your day, sir, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Nick. Very good. I, I enjoyed it as always. You guys be well. Thank you. Sports Talk here on a Thursday. Lauren and I have more with you in a moment. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Hey, Illini family. It's Illini women's basketball coach Shauna Green. Don't miss a minute of Illini basketball this season on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, DWS. 100 points yesterday for Illinois women's hoops in their win over McNeese State. Been a while since Illinois had put up triple digits. And Illinois men's hoops had 103 points this past Monday night. I don't think they're going to do that against UCLA tomorrow night, Lauren Tate. You never know. But how are you uh, looking at this ball game tomorrow night? Well, I, first of all, I'm looking at it uh, with the realization that Texas just killed Gonzaga, so strange things can happen. And by the way, even though uh, we're not sure what is going to happen in terms of uh, uh, Coach Bielema attending the Michigan game, Norm Roberts was the assistant coach at Kansas, and they beat Duke, so... You know, who knows? We're, we're learning things as we go. Uh, I, I see Illinois is only a two-point underdog against UCLA. UCLA lost a lot of players, and they got a lot of players back. Now, that sounds contradictory, but that's the way I see it. They've got a, they've got a, a veteran team with two freshmen, and yet they lost a, a bunch of guys last year to the draft and transfers. Yeah, they, they have high expectations. I know I talked with a, uh, a couple of UCLA folks earlier in the week, and they, they think this could be it, um, especially with it, it. This team reminds me a bit of last year um, or even the year before when Io came back, like kind of an unfinished business type of model with older guys. Uh, and I think they have the pieces. It's just how, how quickly will it come together. And I think both of these teams – It'd be interesting to see what they are tomorrow night and what they are in February and March. Both of them have very realistic expectations to make at least an elite eight. You know, and they're banking. I, they're banking on a couple of freshmen. They're five star freshmen, and Mary Bailey is 
you know, a, a former Chicagoan who played in California, and, and he's, uh, you know, he's 6'5 and, and, and a tremendous guard, a shooting guard. And they got Tyler uh, Tiger Campbell, who's also has a Chicago background, although he attended La Lumiere in Laporte and once committed to DePaul. It's it's amazing what you, these guys are five years difference in age. <laughs> it's amazing. Tiger's a, a fifth year guy, and and of course Bona and Bailey are, are freshmen. Uh, I, you know how how do they fit? And that, we're asking the same thing about Illinois. How do the freshmen fit with the veterans? Absolutely. All right, we'll step aside and we'll do our transition. Next hour, Evan Kahn is in, and we'll have visit with Tyler Underwood as well. Back with a little more with Lauren and I right after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who will tell you what's at stake for Illinois this weekend. A potential top 10 ranking. Oh, yeah, if the Illini would beat two uh, ranked teams here this weekend and uh, do so in impressive fashion, that's that's definitely – these are all four teams, uh, uh, Lauren, that are looking at each other going, we're going to learn a lot about Absolutely. ourselves this We're weekend. going to learn a lot about Illinois football and basketball this weekend. We're yeah. going to find out where we, where we stack up. You know, here's my thing. If somebody is somebody's got to go zero and two, somebody's going to go two and zero, and somebody and two teams are going to go one and one. I I wouldn't put too much into the zero and two thing if that happens. I just wouldn't because these are all really good teams with a lot of veteran players on both sides. I actually think Illinois. Uh, we're gonna. I think we're gonna learn the most about Illinois out of all four teams. That's just what I think uh, because of. How many new faces are together on this team compared to, I mean, Baylor, you know, Flo Thamba is still there. Uh, Virginia's got all their starting lineup back, and we just talked about UCLA with five guys that are back, some freshmen, but some old established guys as well. So this will be a very interesting uh, learning experience for Illini fans to see Illinois in a in a marquee game. Yeah, we're going to see if Meyer and, and – uh... Melendez can can boost their game a bit, and we're going to see how the freshmen stack up in, in a new environment. They haven't been away from home yet. All right, sir, we will next talk to you, uh, well, tomorrow night for game day yep. on, on these airways. Reminder, volleyball on, on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, so you will start on the HMS side, mm-hmm. and then after volleyball we'll join up with basketball. And then Saturday morning, short show, but uh, I'm sure it'll be uh, quality, not quantity. We're looking forward to it. All right, sir. I appreciate you as always. Thank you. And uh, we appreciate you listening. We've got more for you. Tyler Underwood's our guest next hour. Evan Kahn with me. We'll also play two out of three. Have your fingers ready if you want to be a contestant. Hour two straight ahead. News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana.